Hello and welcome to the What Do You Do podcast. I am Joe Malone and uh, guest on episode number two of the What Do You Do podcast is Bob Jensen, a name you may know, a voice you may know, and uh, well, a face, it's podcast, so, but a face you may know as well. Um, Bob, what do you do? Uh, my mom asks me that all the time. You know, I, I, uh, I make television shows, fishing television shows. I write a syndicated uh, uh, fishing column or outdoor column that goes uh, out to about 50 different newspapers, magazines, websites, that sort of thing. I do a, a radio show called The Outdoor Minute. And, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in the outdoor world for most of my adult life, about 40 years. You know, I've been very fortunate to have been able to spend a lot of time outside and, and sharing my outdoor experiences. When did you first get to experience the outdoors? Like, was that a, a parent or who introduced you to being outside, being in nature? Uh, my, 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 my dad, uh, introduced me to fishing and the outdoors at a very young age. We fished, we hunted, we just did things outside. Uh, some of it was at the real, uh, strong encouragement of my mom, get the kid outside, get him out of here, you know, and, and, and dad always did. We went, uh, you know, just, just a clear lake, uh, here in North central Iowa, uh, some of the small farm ponds in North Iowa, uh, just very basic stuff, but all, always very rewarding, very exciting, you know, very interesting Matt, do you still have photos of those those moments, those early fishing trips? No, no you, none. Ta- you talk about that, and I picture in my mind uh, this photo that my mom has at her house of my grandpa teaching me to fish bamboo pole with a string tied to the end of it. Yeah, what was your gear like when you first Same started thing. fishing? Same deal? Same thing. Uh, a bamboo rod, some line on the end of it, catching bluegills, a bobber, a hook, very basic setup that still catches fish. It's a great way to introduce a youngster to fishing. You know, keep it simple, really keep it simple, but but make sure if you're introducing a youngster or a, an adult to fishing, you know, I mean, there's lots of people at a later age who get into fishing in the outdoors. Uh, 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 keep it simple, but make sure they catch fish. You know, uh, we go fishing to catch fish. You know, it might be the entire experience, but, you know, we can... We can watch the sun come up and watch ducks and that sort of thing without a fishing pool and that sort of thing. Uh, if you're going to go fishing with youngsters or, or somebody new to fishing, go somewhere where you're pretty sure they'll catch some fish. So when did you figure out that you could take um, this this thing you like doing outdoors, fishing and, and just nature and whatnot, and turn that into a career, a profession? Like what What led you to say, this is something I can support myself with? At a young age, I wanted to be a game warden. That's what they called them back then, were game wardens, you know, and, and, and I did not realize what a game warden was about. And then I looked into it as I got older, and I decided I do not want to be a game warden. So I moved to Brainerd, Minnesota, and went to a technical uh, college up there uh, uh, and and uh, was trying to get into sporting goods sales. I wanted to sell sporting goods. I mean, if I, you know, selling rods and reels and guns and that sort of thing. And I met Ron Linder one day, and Ron was just, uh, and his brother Al were uh, uh, starting the In Fisherman magazine back then. Mm. And I, you know, and, and I went over to his offices and spent some time with those guys. And I thought, you know what, this is something I can do. I, I, I and this is what I want to do. And then there was a, 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 a fishing school in Walker, Minnesota called Camp Fish. And I got hired there to be a, a fish instructor. And then I started writing magazine articles and seminars and that sort of thing. And I was doing a seminar in uh, Des Moines at the big sports show at the, the barn down there, Vets Auditorium. And I did my seminar, went home, and I got a call a few days later from Gene Shaw, who was a salesperson at WOI-TV in Ames, the ABC affiliate in the Des Moines market. And he said, we're going to start a fishing show. We were wondering if you'd be interested in being involved. And I said, heck yes. And so we did. that was called Fishing Iowa. We did that for four years. And then uh, the TV station decided they don't want to, they got bought by another 
group and they, they decided we don't want to produce shows anymore. So I started my own and I just took it from there. Let me back up a little bit. Fishing school. I've never heard of a fishing school. What, what do you teach at a fishing school? There aren't very many of them in the world. And this was, like I said, it was called Camp Fish. It was based uh, in Walker, Minnesota on the shores of Leech Lake, a small lake off of Leech Lake. And uh, we had kids from every state and we had a, it was a four-year program. They come for a week uh, uh, the first year or four days the first year and then a week the second year and then, you know, it just gradually got longer. And we had like an 85% return rate. You know, I mean, these kids, they enjoyed it and they came back. We had some kids from Chicago that came. They pulled into Camp Fish. They got out and they took their shoes off and started walking in the grass. They had never walked on grass barefoot before. Wow. Never, ever. And it was, it, was a, it was almost a spiritual experience for them. But we taught, uh, 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 the first year we taught them the basics. You know, this is how you tie a hook on. This is how you catch bluegills and that sort of thing. And, and, and then uh, the fourth year, we took a musky fishing on Leech Lake and that sort of thing. And it just gradually got more involved. They just got, gradually got more involved in the fishing thing. And do you get a, a diploma when you graduate from fishing school? I know this is going way back. Yeah, now. I know that's a long time ago, Joe. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what I did for sure up there. But, uh, no, yeah, there were some sort of credentials that said I graduated. For, you know, I, yeah. Wow. So was it that experience of uh, being a teacher and showing people how to do stuff with fishing that led you to the on-camera side of things? Like, okay, if I can explain it to a, a group of kids and keep their attention I could do this on TV. Yeah. Uh, you know, fishing, the well, first fishing Iowa, then fishing the Midwest. Uh, uh, information, instruction has always been a part of it, but also entertainment. You know, you know, when we go to Hayward, Wisconsin, this is what we're fishing for, and this is how we're catching them. But also, these are some of the other things to do in Hayward, Wisconsin. You know, go to the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame and, 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 and a little bit of the old Main Street, Hayward, and that sort of thing. And the same thing with all the other places we go to. Uh, Wisconsin Dells, you know, we go up on uh, the place where they have, you know, three-story miniature golf courses. Uh, uh, we like to tell a little bit about the area, share some entertainment, uh, but also, you know, here's how you can catch more fish wherever you go fishing. Now, when you, when you got your first uh, time being on WOI-TV, uh, did you watch that episode as it aired on TV? Yeah. yeah. What was that like? I, it was, it, you know... I typically don't watch our shows. You know, I get the rough cuts uh, a week prior to airing, two weeks prior to airing. I look at those, and, you know, if there's anything technical that we need to adjust, that's fine. But I've got complete faith in our producers. Uh, you know, uh, I, I oftentimes, I, I, I typically don't watch them on TV. I typically don't watch our shows on TV. The first uh, year or two, you know, I watched them a little more diligently. But uh, Did you get any sort of feelings like this is really cool, or, or what was your emotions like? Uh, when I started 35 years ago, fishing shows and television were kind of new. There was no cable TV. There was no cable TV then. It was ABC, NBC, CBS, and Iowa Public Television, and that's all there were. So there were not many fishing shows on television. So it was very unique, you know. And and I always, uh, I remember the first time I watched a fishing show on television, it was Virgil Ward. And I, I just happened to be flicking through the channels and here's a guy fishing on TV. I wonder if he'll ever do that again, you know, and what's this about, you know, and, 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 and it really piqued my interest at that time. Now, uh, Bobby, you're talking about how you do more than just catch fish on, on your show, Fishing the Midwest. You know, you show some of the sites. I really like the, the nature cuts that'll be in, you know, whether they're, they're bumpers in or out of the fishing action. Like here's a bald eagle we saw. Let's watch this thing fly for, you know, 10, 15 seconds or whatever. Is that a, a conscious decision that you made? Um, uh, or is that something that developed 
through the course of fishing the Midwest that we're going to include these nature shots or we're going to include this trip off the lake to show you the other stuff that goes on. Uh, that was always a really important part of our television productions, whether it was fishing Iowa or fishing the Midwest. It's part of the experience. You know, when you go fishing, it's cool to see deer waiting on the shoreline or, you know, I mean, ducks are a pretty natural thing, but you don't realize that until you really see them up close and, and you know, a, a mallard, a drake mallard, this green head, they're beautiful, you know, and they're part of the experience and they're just something that should be, again, fishing is is so much more than just catching fish it really is although you know we want to catch fish but it's it's the the entire experience the sun coming up the sun going down the people you're with uh and and the wildlife the deer the otters the beavers you know uh we've seen otters up on lake cabotogama you don't see them very many places you know and it's fun just to watch them along the shoreline because uh otters are strange and sore beavers and you know it's just it's just interesting uh to take a little little time and watch the the rest of the world uh, as you're fishing. Now, when it comes to uh, going and and fishing, uh, you've seen gear evolve. I'm guessing in the 35 years that you've been doing the TV shows, uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, you know where what you were working with when you first started to what you're working with now. I mean, there's uh, was it trial and error back then for fishing manufacturers, and now they've got like computers and science to figure out all the lures and whatnot. They certainly have much more technology today, but it's still trial and error, you know. But 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 a good manufacturer will not release a product until it's ready. When I started fishing, uh, back in whenever the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s, when I got into the business, uh, we everybody was running an 18 foot tiller boat with a 50 horse motor, and we thought, how does it get better than this? We could just not imagine, you know. And and all those boats were rough and wet, and you know, we had a flasher in the back of the boat, which was a depth finder that just showed the depth. And, and that's all we had, and we thought that was pretty good. Uh, uh, and now we've got depth finders. That, I mean, they literally draw a picture of the bottom of the lake. And then the GPS mapping t- uh, systems that go into these depth finders, they'll show you exactly where you are on the lake, exactly where you're in the structure. When you catch a fish, you push a button, and it will drop an electronic marker there so you can go right back to that spot. I mean, the, the technology is just absolutely amazing. The equipment is so much better now then. And, and this is the deal. In the early 80s, graphite rods first came out, and they were clubby and heavy and fragile and expensive, and the rods we've got today compared to those are so much better, and they're so much less expensive. I mean, you can spend more on a rod, but you compare dollar to dollar, $1980 to your $2019, the rods are so much better and so much less expensive. They're a much better value now than they used to be. Ah, I mean, the technology changes. I mean, you go go to the store and just look at lures and trying to pick the right line. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, a guy like me, I can stand there for five minutes looking at it. It's like, what? I, I don't know, I know what top test I need and the I know. filaments and, and all that stuff. And, and sometimes we make it more difficult than it needs to be. There are a tremendous number of selections of line, like you yeah. mentioned, and, and that's good. It's good that we got choices, but... Sometimes we overthink these things, you know, and I, you know, monofilament lines have been along, around for a long time, and now we've got fluorocarbon, and we've got braided lines and super lines, and I still use a lot of monofilament, you know, it's just good stuff, uh, does what I want it to do most of the time. You know, I think most people can get by very well with eight-pound test line, six-pound test line, uh, monofilament, you know, uh, just don't overthink things, you know, uh, eighth-ounce jigs, quarter-ounce jigs, sixteenth-ounce jigs, still catch a ton of fish, although there's a lot of them out there, a lot of different jigs out there, you know, just... Do not make it too difficult. Do you keep trophies of the fish? You know, there's people that'll catch a fish and they'll go and get it mounted. You know, my 
33-inch walleye that I caught, you know, Lake of the Woods or whatever it is. Do you keep those? I do not. I do not. I have got no mounted fish in the house. I got no mounted uh, uh, deer or pheasants. or. I, I, uh, when it comes to fishing, uh, it's mostly release. I put the big ones back, you know, I, you, and you can get uh, uh, replicas made, and it's a great way to go about it. And I'd really recommend getting a replica made of a fish. The replicas last forever. They're artwork. And uh, you're putting that big fish back into the gene pool. Uh, but no, I just, I, I, in the past 20 years, I bet I have not kept, I don't know, 20 fish. I don't think so. Maybe a few for the table, you know, some perch maybe, or some crappies, but no, I, I, I put them back. Well, you got the tapes, you know, if you need to show anybody the fish that you caught, yep. you yep. just queue it up for yep. them. <laughs> but, but by the same token, you know, catch and release is, uh, you know, fishing today is better than it was 20 years ago for numbers of fish and big fish. Fishing is better today now, today than it was. And it's because of catch and release. But by the same token, there is nothing wrong with keeping a few fish. That's what they're there for. They're good to eat. They're good for us. Uh, but keep the right fish, you know, keep some yellow bass over in Clear Lake or, or keep some of the, you know, the 16 inch walleyes and put the 25 inches back. Uh, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with keeping a few fish. I think sometimes we overdo the catch and release thing. So uh, when you're cooking a fish, what, what does Bob Jensen prepare his fish like? I don't cook fish. <laughs> I, I do not. I do not. I make cheeseburgers and pizzas and, and that sort of thing. Pork chops, chicken. I, 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 I don't eat fish very much. I, I enjoy it. I just don't eat it very much. It's very interesting. I, I, I just, I, the sport of it. Yeah, you know, but everybody takes their own enjoyment out of it, and that's that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, you fishing. know, we go to baseball games. We don't get anything to eat there. You know, we yeah. don't take anything home to eat there. Uh, 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 I I I enjoy fish. I just enjoy other things more. Now, when it comes to all the places that you've been, you've been a lot of well fishing the Midwest, obviously over the Midwest, um, Devil's Lake, Lake Cabotoga, uh, Cap, Lake Cab, Cabotoga. Yeah, there yep. we go. Um, uh, Clear Lake. Um, is there, is there a spot that, um, you know, a couple of spots that you enjoy that it's just like, man, I can't wait to get up there. You know, Clear Lake, that's where I started. Caught mm-hmm. my first walleye in Clear Lake. Uh, and Clear Lake has improved so much in the past 10 years because of the, the Clear Project and that sort of thing. I don't know. I, I, I've been so fortunate to have been to a lot of really, really good places. Mille Lacs is really good. The Mississippi river is one of my favorites. Uh, that Capitogma certainly is, is one of my favorites. Uh, Green Bay and Sturgeon Bay out in Wisconsin are both outstanding. Um, I just don't have a favorite place. I just... I'm asking you to pick a favorite kid at this point almost. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah. Talk, talk to me about fishing uh, the Mississippi River. What? Because uh, I, I did a lot of that growing up, growing up um, uh, in Anoka County and, and Hennepin County, and we would we would fish right in the middle of the city, basically, or just outside of the city. Um, once you get up to uh, the Anoka County line, are you fishing? What p- part of the Mississippi are you fishing when you do that? I have fished all the way from Brainerd, Minnesota, down to oh, uh, Bellevue, Iowa, uh, probably even further south than that. Uh, I've spent the most time around Wabasha, Minnesota, Lake Pepin, Lake City, that area although one of the best walleye bites i've ever been on was right in saint paul i mean right in saint paul i think it was pool three and we caught big walleyes and lots of them uh uh back in the day my dad and i would go over to wabashaw minnesota and fish the backwaters for largemouth bass northern pike smallmouth bass that sort of thing uh and i got real fond memories of the back and this is back in the day before bass were really popular this is old uh mid 80s late 80s uh in, in in minnesota and wisconsin in the upper midwest uh, walleyes were the big deal then, uh, and, and the bass fishing was just absolutely outstanding, and it still is. But I remember lots of days in the in the backwaters around Wabasha, Minnesota, throwing spinner baits in the flooded timber and that sort of thing, uh, catching lots of largemouth bass in Northern Pike. Ah, river fishing, river fishing, lake fishing. If you had to choose one, 
Which one would you pick? River. River, river by far. Yeah. Yeah. River. What, what, what makes that choice? Uh, 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 rivers, uh, the fish and rivers are less impacted by weather situations, weather uh, conditions. But the other thing is river fish are constantly fighting the current. They're constantly fighting the current. So they're constantly exercising. So they got to eat more. They got to mm. maintain that energy. So they're easier to catch. And I like fish that are easy to catch. There we go. That's a very good explanation. I like that. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the the TV side of things. You know, hop back into there. Um, if you're having a slow day fishing and you got the camera crew, you know, you guys you guys sitting there holding the camera, what do you do? Do you just keep fishing or how does that work? We keep fishing. You know, we got to have fish. Uh, we got to have fish to make a TV show. Uh, but again, the, the ducks and the deer and that sort of thing are part of it. Uh, some introspect with our guests you know we've had a, a number of guests who are you know very uh well dan gable for instance uh university of iowa wrestling coach uh uh gold medal winner at the uh olympics i believe wally hilgenberg played ball for the hawkeyes and uh the vikings and we've had guys like that so they can lend some other perspective but you know um typically we typically we can get enough fish to bite to keep things interesting we we just can uh you know we, we typically go with people who are very knowledgeable in the area. Maybe we'll go to a different lake. Maybe we'll switch species. But typically, we can get, you know, enough fish to keep things interesting. Well, we've got to keep get enough fish to keep things interesting. Uh, but again, fishing today is so much better that we really catch a lot of fish. We it's really not, do. It's not too much work. No. No. <laughs> when fishing gets to be work, then I find something else to do. <laughs> now, when it, when you go out with a guide, you know, you're going to a lake that, you know, isn't your home lake. And Well, you, even, you, you go out with guides on Clear Lake, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Um, what we want to do is we want to get the person who's most knowledgeable about that lake. You know, we want to get the person who can provide the best information how people can come to that lake and catch more fish. Are, are you calling the guides or are the guides calling you? Are, it works it, both ways. Okay. It works both ways. And, you know, through this this many years, you create a network. You know the guys and the guys know you and, and, and uh, you know, they. Uh, it's not hard to find somebody to, that, to take us fishing. Now, you mentioned if fishing became work, you'd find something else to do. Do, do you ever go online and read the uh, other people's fishing blogs or read the bite reports or do any of that sort of stuff? I do not. I do no. not. I do not. Uh, yeah, no, I don't want to be cynical, but so much of that stuff is bogus. It's just bogus, you know. Uh, anybody can can have somebody catch a fish, have their picture taken with it, and this is the fish I caught. And it, there's just so much misinformation out there. There's some good information, but you've really got to weed through it. Uh, uh, you know, on Facebook and the internet, anybody can be a fishing guru or a mm-hmm. hunting guru or a genius or whatever, you know. Uh, I just don't take it too seriously. Well, I know myself, um, I, I take an annual trip up uh, with the radio station to the Lake of the Woods and uh, go up to Ballard's and do a couple of days out on the ice, a couple miles out on Lake of the Woods. And I've been doing that now as, as we're taping this here at the end of uh, January for probably uh, this whole year. I'm checking in on the fishing reports, you know, getting all the different lodges, checking out the Facebook reports, what's working for everybody. Am I doing too much? If you enjoy it, no. No, and there are some that are legitimate. And Lake of the Woods, by the way, I've had some memorable experiences in Lake of the Woods and the Rainy River where it comes into Lake of the Woods. I've had some memorable experiences there. No, if you enjoy it. And again, there is good information out there. And what you got to do is learn who the straight shooters are and who the crooked shooters are. Because <laughs> uh, there's there's one thing I know about Lake of the Woods is you get yourself some pink and gold and you get yourself a red hook. 
And yep. if all else fails, put the red hook on. Yep. You're gonna if something swims by, he's gonna bite. Yep. On yep. that red hook. Uh, Lake of the Woods, the water's kind of stained. It's a good uh, midday fishery. And yeah, a little color on your bait is a good idea. Uh, again, I've had so many uh, good experiences in Lake of the Woods. What's the biggest fish that you've ever caught? Probably a lake trout. Uh, I, I, I took a, a trip to uh, uh, the Northwest Territories a number of years ago, and we caught lake trout, and they were probably 30, 35 pounds. I've never fished in the ocean for big fish, uh, and big fish have never been my deal. I just like to get bit. You know, I'd rather catch a bunch of two-pounders than one 20-pounder. You know, I just, I, 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 like, uh, I like to get bit. Uh, but I've had the good fortune to catch some big walleyes, probably uh, biggest walleye is probably about 13 pounds, which is a big walleye. Uh, biggest northern pike, probably 25 pounds, somewhere in there. Uh, I used to guide for muskies, and it was my good fortune that the clients always caught the fish, you know, because when <laughs> you you're a guide, guide, when yeah. you're a guide, uh, you want the clients, to, you want your guests to catch fish, and, and they, they typically did. Uh, you know, uh, but that lake trout, 35, 40 pounds, somewhere in there, probably is the biggest. Is that a good fight? Yes. Oh boy. Uh, this was in the fall and Lake Tr- uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, and, and, and this is the Northwest territory. So it was cold. I mean, fall up there is starts in August. Uh, and they were shallow lake trout spawn in the fall. So they were shallow. And, uh, typically during the year, they're very deep and they don't, they fight, but not as much. These fish were shallow and they were, they were, yes, they were fighters. Yeah. It was fun. So have you ever uh, fished other parts of the United States, like gone down south and done the bass fishing in the in the kind of Finger Lakes sort of deals that they have there? Um, what other experiences have you had fishing outside of the Midwest in Canada? I fished in Florida and in Missouri and Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas and places like that. Uh, those are mostly uh, uh, primarily bass fisheries. And, you know, they grow the bass big down there, but just for bass fishing, you cannot beat Minnesota and Wisconsin. I mean, it is tr- oh, it's so much better uh, for numbers and for quality fish. You know, again, you'll get 10-pounders in the south. In Minnesota, a big bass is 6 pounds, eh, 7, you know, in some places. They're getting bigger every year. Uh, we're protecting them better. Uh, uh, but, I mean, in the spring and early summer, uh, it's not unusual to go out and catch 100 bass a day in Minnesota or Wisconsin. It's not unusual at all, and, and they're easy to catch. They're good fighters. Uh, I will take Minnesota or Wisconsin, but Minnesota first over florida bass fishing any day you ever watch the uh uh, pro fishing circuit i don't even know if i'm calling it the right thing on tv you know what i'm talking about the guys they look like nascar drivers speeding around and it's all high energy trying to catch as many fish and as many pounds you ever watch that i watch it on tv and i know a good number of those guys and they're good guys that's their job that's what they do and they take it very seriously it's uh it's very prescribed fishing you know you go out at this particular time you got to come in at this particular time you can only fish in this case, bass. Uh, I watch it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I used to fish the tournaments, and you did. I was going to oh, ask yeah. if you've ever done anything. Oh, like oh, that. sure. Yeah, I fished bass tournaments, walleye tournaments back in the day. I was in on the early days of the the, the bass turn or the walleye tournaments in in the Midwest. And uh, boy, you know, and I did well. I did very well in these tournaments, but it just never made sense to me. You got to go out at this time. You can't go out until eight o'clock. You know, you got to be in at four o'clock, and you can only fish walleyes. And it just killed me to be fishing walleyes and catching a few when i knew that i could catch a lot more bass over there you know and i i again i go fishing to catch fish uh, for the experience and i i want it to be more of a a laid back you know low-key experience as opposed to the boat races because the boat races i mean when you take off in the morning back in the day it was a boat race to get to the spot and that was the most fun of the day i mean now once the boat race is over you know it's, it's very you know uh yes i i i uh 
am aware of the tournaments, certainly aware of the tournaments, and there's a lot of different leagues now. And, uh, you know, it's just something somebody else does, you know. And some people play baseball in the backyard. Some people play baseball in, in, in the stadiums. Uh, I prefer to go fishing in the backyard. You're talking about the boat races. Is it a race to the spot, like three or four guys know the spot, and whoever gets there first gets it? Or how does that work? Yeah, they're, well, that's the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't always work that way. But <laughs> back in the day, uh, there would be 100 boats in the tournament, and they let us all go at the same time. I mean, they shoot a shotgun, and everybody takes off, and that's dangerous. And they quit doing that. Now they stage them. Every 30 seconds, you know, you release another boat. And... uh and, uh, but you're supposed to give the other guy, the other person on the, on the spot, you know, some room. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Wow. And he might end up stern to stern or oh boy, there's <laughs> been some confrontations. Yeah. Watch your backswing, sir. Yep. I'm trying to fish over yep. here. <laughs> yep. Now in, um, all the years that you've been, uh, doing fishing the Midwest and the, and the, the TV shows that you've done, um, is, is there, uh, a moment where you're like, we've got a really good episode that we're putting together here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like absolutely. you know it as it's, as it's coming together before you see the final product. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and so much of it is it's the fish, but it's also the guest you're with, you know, the you know, I fish with people and you ask them a question, they give you a, yep. Nope. You know, and that's it. <laughs> and that, that gets brutal. That yeah. gets hard. And you know, uh, you can make a much better show with a person who will speak and be, you know, uh, entertaining and provide information and if you got a person like that, you don't need as many fish. If you got a person who just will not talk or will not say anything, number one, we don't do it with that person again. But number two, uh, then you need a lot more fish to make it happen. And, uh, yeah, and then I've got to carry it. And uh, if I've got to carry it, we're in trouble. You'd rather have footage on the cutting room floor yep. than be it's, scrambling for It's stuff. better to have too much than not enough. Now, um, ice fishing versus summer fishing, you already said that you prefer the river. So I'm guessing your answer is going to be summer, but I, is there a split on how much you enjoy one style of fishing versus the other? I enjoy both of them. I enjoy both of them. Uh, uh, but I mean, if I could only do one, it would be fishing in May or June or late September, October. Okay. You know, those two, those are just the, but, but I mean, midsummer is good too, but I enjoy both. I enjoy ice fishing. Uh, I just went ice fishing this past weekend with my wife's uh, son-in-law and, and grandson had a nice time, you know, had a very nice, it was cold out. It was cold, but you know, uh, we had a nice little shelter. We had a heater. We fished for a couple hours. And again, it was that situation where the grandson was catching fish. He's seven years old catching fish. But again, we got to leave before he says, can we go, you know? Uh, and when we got ready to go, we said, it's time to go. And he, uh, you know, let's stay a little bit longer. No, it's time to go, you know? And, 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 and we did, um, I enjoy them both. I enjoy ice fishing. I enjoy open water fishing. Uh, I just, go open water fishing more than I go ice fishing. Now, when it comes to ice fishing, and, and granted, I'm a very much a novice at the at the fishing sort of things, how do you pick where to drill your hole? I mean, does that come down to the guides and the talking to people? or Experience is part of it, but we drill, uh, when we go, we drill 50 holes. I mean, we drill all sorts of holes, and, 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 and we've got depth finders that show us how deep the water is. We run uh, Vexilar depth finders, and I mean, these things, I mean, they will show you a 30-second ounce jig down there, and they will show if a fish is coming up to it. So we drill a lot of holes, and we will put the depth finder down the hole, and uh, we'll fish for two minutes. And if we don't see a fish looking around, we go to the next hole, and we oh. just keep covering water. We were on Clear Lake here just uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, we, we drilled holes in water from 5 feet deep to 12 feet deep. And most of the fish were in the deeper water. But again, we did not sit at a hole very long. You keep moving. And, you know, history is somewhat of a teacher. We caught fish here in the past, so we'll start off here maybe. But if there's none there, we keep moving. And, and we, you cannot let history uh, dictate to you where to go fishing. 
if they're not, you know, it, 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 maybe start there mm-hmm. where you caught them in the past. If they're not there, go somewhere else. And if, and, and, and where, where do you start? Uh, if you caught them on a, you know, a crankbait last time, maybe start with a crankbait. But if they're not hitting crankbaits, go try something else. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Ice so, fishing. So if I'm ice fishing and I don't get a bite on my lure in two minutes, switch. Well, again, we're watching that depth yeah. finder. The depth finder shows you the fish. And if they come in and look but don't hit, then sw- try a different bait. It. Try a different bait. If there's fish down there, yeah. yeah if, there's, if, if we know there's fish in the area, if they're down there, yeah, try something different. Go bigger, go smaller, different color. Maybe jig your bait more aggressively or, 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 or less aggressively. Try a different size, different color. Uh, do something different. And if they still don't bite, go to a different hole and find fish or have a better sense of humor. Do fish sense when a guide is around if you're fishing with a guide? Because when, when we're up fishing, um, we might hit a slow period, but the instant the guide comes to check and see how we're doing, the fish start to bite. Have you ever had that experience before where the guy, okay, that's just a me thing. That's a you thing. Yep. That's a Joe thing. Yep. <laughs> that's a Joe thing. Yep. It's like, you need to stay here longer because the fish yep. bite when you're in the house. No so kidding. I need to keep you around. Is that right? Yeah. That's no, right. I've never experienced that. That's the first I've heard of that, Joe. And again, that's one of the things I hear so many things. The first time I ever heard that. And today is one of those days where the first time I ever heard that. Ah, that's, it's been my experience where if, if the fishing slows down, the guide shows up, the fish, I don't know if it's the, the rumble of the vehicle outside that scatters them up or what the case may be on that yeah that guy has got to fish trained (laughs) yeah exactly exactly now um this uh, if people listen to this podcast right away here today um fishing the midwest is doing a very uh special kind of retrospective episode on february 2nd first Uh, weekend in february yeah first weekend in february well yeah yep there's a couple of different places a couple of different days um Looking back at your 35 years of fishing on TV, Bob, uh, talk to me about what uh, what you've seen in this episode and what what it means to you, what you feel when you saw that. Well, what it is, it's a review, at, you know, and I, I, I again, I've not seen the final version. I've just seen rough cuts. But it just reminded me of how fortunate I am to have made the acquaintances that I've made in, 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 in life, I guess. Uh, all the people that I, I've seen on the show this that's going to air uh, the first weekend of February. You know, I, you don't forget them, but you kind of, you know, you just don't think of them as much. And you just remember, I remember being there with that guy. I remember being there with this guy, you know, uh, being there with this guy. Some of them are with us today and some are not with us today. Uh, it, it, it just brings back a lot of memories about places and people and that sort of thing. Fishing the Midwest can be seen on Fox Sports North, Saturdays, 11 a.m., KAMT, locally in North Iowa and southern Minnesota, 7.30 on Sundays. And then there's a a ton of different ways to get the show. Just go to our website, (laughs) fishingthemidwest.com. This, know, this internet, this internet thing, I, I'm, I'm starting to think this internet thing might catch on someday. Uh, fishingthemidwest.com has got a listing of all of our stations. You know, we get into about 25 million households a week. You know, we air, well, now we're on the World Fishing Network. We air across the entire uh, uh, country. So uh, we've got good uh, distribution. A lot of people watch Fishing in the Midwest. How many, do you ever get uh, calls or emails or letters from people that watch the show um, that are watching from another part of the country? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We get, uh, uh, we, we, it's interesting. We get uh, requests, people want more information, and we get reminders wear your life jacket, you know, uh, uh, put that life jacket on, you know, don't stand up in the boat. And some of them are unreasonable ideas, uh, but we're in the life jacket when the boat's running. Yeah, we do that. That's what we got to do. Sometimes we forget, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
Now, do you ever get uh, people uh, suggesting lakes that you need to go to? I'm guessing you get that quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Come to my lake. Come to my lake, but don't tell people what lake you're on. You know, and that's something we don't do. If we're on a small lake, like Clear Lake or Mille Lacs or Cabotogam or Green Bay, we will mention the body of water we're on. But if we're on a small lake in the Hayward area, we'll say we're on a small lake in the Hayward area. It's irresponsible. Oh. Because people really do pay attention to where we are. And, uh, you know, if we are on a, a, a little 500-acre lake and we say it, uh, that lake gets too much pressure. Ah. Yeah. I never even thought about no, that. No, there, there's responsibility there. There is real responsibility there. Uh, you know, on our depth finders, it shows the GPS coordinates. Some people watch those. You know, we show the depth finder, and they will freeze that frame and see what coordinate we're on on that lake. That and is hardcore. Go there. Oh, that's hardcore. Oh, my yeah, goodness. That's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many days a week do you go fishing? Oh, boy. Uh, not as much as I used to. Uh, back in the day, I was fishing 275 days a year. When I was working at the fishing school in northern Minnesota and guiding, I was on the water 275 days a year. When I was fishing the tournaments, it was about the same. Now it's not as much just because I've got other responsibilities. You know, uh, as far as making a fishing show, the catching fish is the easy part. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to sell advertisers. Uh, we've got to, uh, get the TV stations. We've got to do a lot of other things. So sometimes the more you get into the fishing business, the less you actually go fishing. Because you're too busy running the business. The business part of the fishing. Yes. Of the, of the fishing aspect. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, again, I wanted to be, when I first started, I wanted to be a game warden. And then I was thinking about working retail or something like that in the sporting good business. And I realized they don't get to go fishing very much. You know, they're, they're in the store working and I, I, I want to be out of the store fishing. Kind of the same thing at the radio station. You know, people are like, what's your favorite song? What songs are you listening to? It's like, well, they're playing and I hear them, but I'm focused on getting the next thing ready to go. Yep. You know, it's the thing that you're most involved in. You get to do the least of. Yeah. And and it's that way, I think, in life in general. You know, we've got these, what people consider interesting jobs and that sort of thing. But sometimes we we don't appreciate them probably like we should. And, And people don't understand all the things that go into it. In addition to, in my case, the fishing. It's more than just fishing. But when you have that good day, it's all worth it. Oh, it's all worth it every day. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I Again, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I understand that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every day's, uh, every day's a good day, but some days are better than others. I think that's a good way to wrap up our podcast. Bob, okay. I want to thank you so much for the time. I appreciate the opportunity, Joe. It is the uh, What Do You Do podcast. I'm Joe Malone. Thanks for listening.